Hey Sarah, as a Jewish professional, I always think I'm up to date with all of the Jewish nonprofit groups. But I learned about a new group this month. It's called the Jewish Electorate Institute, and it's a group led by prominent Jewish Democrats. Recently, they made a real splash with a pretty shocking poll that showed that among the American Jewish voters surveyed, number one, 25% agreed with the statement that Israel is an apartheid state. Number two, 34% agreed that Israel's treatment of Palestinians is similar to racism in the US. And number three, 22% of all of those surveyed agree that Israel is committing genocide against the Palestinians. What's crazier is that agreement with these statements was even higher among voters under 40. One third of younger voters agreed that Israel is committing genocide and more than a third agreed that Israel is an apartheid state. By the way, to learn more about how misappropriated connections between apartheid and Israel came to be, you can check out our recent video. The link's in the show notes. Hi, I'm Avi Posen. And I'm Sarah Himmelis. Avi, I hadn't heard of them either. And the results of this poll were really surprising to a lot of people. Because while earlier polls had also found that younger Jews are more critical of Israel and less emotionally attached to it compared to older generations, this poll showed that a sizable minority agreed that Israel is committing apartheid and genocide, sparking a conversation in the Jewish world about whether the findings are accurate, and if they are, how the Jewish community reached this point. This week, we'll unpack all of this and discuss the bigger question, can the world's two largest Jewish communities stay together? Or is the relationship between American Jews and Israeli Jews fundamentally ruptured? And what role can other diaspora Jewish communities play in this situation? All right, so let's start with the basics here. Can we even trust the results of this poll? I mean, some question the survey's methodology and argue that this led to exaggerated results. According to reporting by Jacob Magid, U.S. correspondent for the Times of Israel, pollsters and members of mainstream U.S. Jewish organizations said that the poll used leading questions intent on getting a shocking response. Magid said on the Times of Israel Daily Briefing podcast that he spoke with Jim Gerstein, who oversaw the poll and has conducted surveys for progressive groups including J Street and the New Israel Fund. Gerstein said that there would be no point in engineering results in a poll, and that the goal was to see how American Jews are responding to common phrases that they're hearing in the media. However, Gerstein agreed that phrasing the questions differently and including definitions of apartheid and genocide, for example, could have produced different responses. Still, he maintained that the goal was to gauge reactions to the statements as written. Okay, and how did people react to the survey? As you can imagine, Avi, it's complicated. Reactions were split. Mainstream American Jewish groups cited a gap between how young Jews perceived Israel and the reality. They emphasized the need to educate students and increase their understanding about the quote, real Israel. On the other hand, left-leaning groups understood the results as proof that many American Jews have a problem with Israel's treatment of the Palestinians and blamed Israel education that glossed over the Jewish state's faults. David Harris, 
CEO of the American Jewish Committee told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency that, quote, deficient education about Israel was to blame for the situation. He said, quote, greater efforts at educating American Jews, especially younger cohorts, about all aspects of Israeli society and connecting them with their counterparts in Israel are critical for ensuring nuanced understanding about Israel and strengthening Israel-diaspora relations, end quote. Sam Eilertsen, who's creating a film about young Jews' relationships with Israel, agreed that the problem relates here to Israel education, something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Eilertsen told The Forward that he's spoken with many Jews who said that their Jewish education growing up downplayed Palestinian perspectives and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Quote, a lot of people come to college with a very simplistic perspective on the conflict, and when they try to figure out the truth, they tend to end up with much more pro-Palestinian views, he said. Adam Teitelbaum, the executive director of the Jewish Federation of North America's Israel Action Network, argued, quote, the best way to combat this phenomenon is to meaningfully and authentically engage young Jews with questions such as, what do you think apartheid means? What's the best path forward? And how can Israel address real security concerns while still fighting for peace? He added that Israel educators should, quote, approach young people's questions with compassion and authenticity. There are different responses from the progressive Jewish world. Hadar Suskind, president of the left-leaning group Americans for Peace Now, told the Jewish Telegraphic Agency that the best way for the Jewish community to respond to those who believe that Israel is committing apartheid or genocide is to, quote, end Israel's status as an occupier of Palestinian areas and people. Suskin said, quote, the answer to this isn't another college fellowship to show people the sandy white beaches in Tel Aviv. It's ending the occupation, end quote. Susanna Heschel, chair of the Jewish Studies Department at Dartmouth, attributed the survey findings to controversial actions taken by the Israeli government. Heschel told the foreword, quote, young people come and say, why expel people from Sheikh Jarrah? Why? Why expel Palestinians? Why can't they live there? Heschel was referring to an East Jerusalem neighborhood that has been a focal point of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Subtle plug, if you haven't heard our Sheikh Jarrah episode, that link is in the show notes. Rabbi Eric Yaffe, a former president of the Union for Reform Judaism, reached a similar conclusion, suggesting in an Haaretz op-ed, quote, an occupation lasting more than half a century has finally caught up with Israel, shaping attitudes and political perceptions. Jews and non-Jews who are under 40 know Israel only as an occupying power, and they are much less supportive of Israel than their elders. And while Israel may be more of a benevolent occupier than not, winning support for an occupier of any type is a hard sell, end quote. But as I constantly remind you and the rest of my American Jewish friends as a Canadian Israeli Jew, there are actually other countries and America's not the only Jewish community in the diaspora. So what role could other diaspora Jewish communities play in this situation? Rolene Marks, an Israeli who grew up in apartheid South Africa, 
argued in a Times of Israel blog post that South African Jews and Israelis must lead the fight against the claim that Israel is practicing apartheid. She wrote, quote, the contributions made by South African Jews to the fight against apartheid were extraordinary and disproportionate to the size of the community. We have a wealth of knowledge and experience to share in the fight against the narrative that claims Israel is an apartheid state, end quote. She added that South African Jews must be engaged and involved in educating other diaspora communities. So those were a few reactions from the diaspora. But what about from within Israel? How did they react to this poll? Well, not great. Israeli-American author Daniel Gordis wrote in a blog post that the survey marks a shift not only in American Jews' attitudes toward Israel, but in Israelis' attitudes toward American Jews as well. Gordis wrote, quote, If for decades the news in Israel has been that progressive American Jews are slowly abandoning Israel, the newest development now may just be that some Israelis are also beginning to wonder if there's any basis for a continued relationship, end quote. Gordis said that Israeli news outlets covering the survey have captured, quote, some of the subtleties in the American picture and have acknowledged that the American Jewish community is not monolithic. At the same time, Gordis explained, quote, Increasingly, what the news is covering is that Israeli Jews are losing patience with what seems to them an outrageous, myopic take on Israel, end quote. He cited a letter that was signed by dozens of American rabbinical students during the recent conflict between Israel and Hamas. In the letter, the rabbinical students accused Israel of, quote, violent suppression of human rights and enabling apartheid in the Palestinian territories, while making no mention of Hamas or that Israel was under attack. In a JNS op-ed, Israeli-American author Carolyn Glick argued that, quote, the purpose of the poll was to promote an agenda, not measure public opinion, writing that, quote, even more distressing than the responses was the fact that the progressive Jewish establishment wanted to ask these questions, end quote. Glick further argued that, quote, the moderates who comprise the majority of the American Jewish establishment are to blame for the state of American Jews' attitudes toward Israel because they, quote, won't fight progressives to defend the truth about Israel and have given up the fight for Jewish rights, end quote. Meanwhile, in a tablet magazine op-ed, Natan Sharansky and historian Gil Troy coined a new term for Jewish anti-Zionists, the un-Jews. By rejecting Israel and Zionism, Sharansky and Troy wrote that these critics are, quote, trying to disentangle Judaism from Jewish nationalism, the sense of Jewish peoplehood, while undoing decades of identity building. They believe the only way to fulfill the Jewish mission of saving the world with Jewish values is to undo the ways most actual Jews do Jewishness, end quote. The authors called for the Jewish community to have empathy for one another, underscoring the importance of, quote, a broad, welcoming dialogue. But those who are set on denying the essence of Jewish peoplehood are rarely interested in the kind of respectful, mutual exchange that builds us all up. Rather, 
They are bent on destroying the most powerful force that has kept us together as a people throughout the ages." End quote. So Avi, what's the bottom line? Assuming that this poll shows an accurate picture of American Jews' attitudes, how should the Jewish community move forward? Where do we go from here? I think it's a few things. First, as 0.2% of the world population, the Jewish people don't have the luxury to be disunited. Jews have had different lived experiences and ideologies throughout history. The results of this poll are shocking and heartbreaking. But let's remember that diverse perspectives have always been part of the Jewish experience. To move forward and begin to heal these rifts, we need to start interpreting each other charitably. Rather than telling those we strongly disagree with that they simply don't get it, we should aim to come from a place of curiosity, empathy, and compassion. Instead of making assertions that end in exclamation points, we can encourage each other to ask more questions about the other. This is critical not only for relations between Israeli and American Jews, but for the different groups in the American Jewish community as well. I think that's true. And I also think we just have to know each other better. We need to invest in Israeli trips to America and vice versa. And we should help facilitate respectful and constructive discussions between American Jews with different political and religious backgrounds. And we need to do more to include Jewish communities from all over the place, from Australia, South Africa, the UK, France, Argentina, Canada, Europe. There's so many places out there with big Jewish populations. So let's move beyond the American-Israeli divide and start thinking about the Jewish people as one people with different lived experiences across the globe. If we do all of this, then we can promote greater empathy and compassion for one another and create a brighter Jewish future. Thanks for listening. This episode was hosted by me, Sarah Himmelis. And me, Avi Posen. This Week Unpacked is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Make sure you don't miss future episodes by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the pod, rate and review This Week Unpacked and share it with your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. Shoot us an email at podcasts at jewishunpacked.com. Check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related and subscribe to our other podcasts there too. I want to specifically recommend Unpacking Israeli History. Season two just dropped last week, and I listened to the second episode on the way back on the highway from Jerusalem the other night. Amazing stuff. You got to check it out. Subscribe to it right now, wherever you get your podcasts, and let us know what you think. Also, follow us on social media, on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Just look for at Jewish Unpacked. This episode was written by me, Sarah Himmelis, edited by Avi Posen and John Kunza, and audio engineered by Rob Para. Rifki Stern is our producer, and Noam Weissman is the executive producer of This Week Unpacked. This episode was sponsored by the Jewish Federation of Delaware. Thank you for listening. See you next week.